success, where we talk to UCLA alumni and explore the many paths to success beyond UCLA. I'm your host, Katie Russo, and today I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Latanya Reese-Miles, the Executive Director of First Year Experience at UCLA. In this role, she works collaboratively with residential life, student affairs departments more generally, and academic departments campus-wide to develop initiatives and to increase awareness of the first year experience on campus. Dr. Miles has established two successful programs for first-generation college students, one at UCLA and the other at Loyola Marymount University, both recognized for national best practices. She earned a PhD in American literature from UCLA, and her research interests include the hidden curriculum in higher education, narratives about the first-generation college experience, and the relationship of physical space and college student engagement. Latanya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. Thank you so much, Katie. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. So we will get started. I would love to know, what do you think is the biggest challenge first-generation college students face today? And how do your initiatives at UCLA work to support them in that challenge? Uh, Great question. One of my favorite things to talk about um, are first-generation students. First, I will um, say that I identify as a first-generation college graduate, and uh, I'm going to speak probably a little more specifically to the UCLA context um, because it's also reminiscent of my own background. So when uh, in the late 80s, when I was <laughs> applying to school, um, I my, my family had so much emotional support and so enthusiastic about me going on to college. But um, because I was the first in my family to go to a four year, they didn't know very much about schools. And so I ended up picking uh, uh, a good public school that I knew from basketball. So that was the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Oh, nice. That probably wasn't the best way to go about it. (laughs) But I found from being at UCLA, worked as an employee or as a graduate student as an employee, that some of our first-year students had a very similar process. So they know that their their family knows UCLA is a good school. Um, But beyond that, well, what does that mean? How is it different from Occidental College? How is it different from USC even? You know, in scale, scope, and mission, they're pretty different. So um, if you're coming from a first-gen going background uh, or one without very much college-going knowledge, sometimes the processes feel different the expectation from family may not match up to the type of school that it is. Um, and so probably it's a matter of finding a mentor and, um, who can help navigate and also just finding other sorts of sources of support, including including peers who are going through it. Great. That's wonderful. And yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. Like you said, it's funny to think about initial kind of college reactions or even when you're applying to school it's it's that initial branding or reputation like I said is it it's not right UCLA athletics like there's so many different for certain schools that you you know from what the you know media or kind of like your upbringing and society has taught you about that school but what's actually you know in the infrastructure of the school like what are those programs and initiatives in place that are going to help you know, shape your college experience. Yeah, it impacts things, including the, uh, a, a student's major, right? And so for many students, the feeling is, particularly if you're literally the first, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that there's so much riding on your success that sometimes students may be less reluctant to choose something they're passionate about, ironically, mm-hmm. and do something more practical, right? Um, and so 
again, this is this this is a cause for a conversation with the, with the family about this is what it means to be in college. Mm-hmm. So on that note, um, given our current situation with COVID nineteen, how has COVID nineteen maybe changed or impacted some of the unique challenges that students are facing right now? That is an excellent and timely question. So I'm seeing a number of different ways. So first, it's it's um, being revealed who does and doesn't have good access to technology. There's a lot of assumptions made about folks and what they have at home. Um, some of our students, maybe first gen, maybe not, but some, some of our students are responsible for younger siblings, most of whom are now at home as well, right? And, um, and sharing laptops and time and, and you know, some people may be expected to do more chores at home when they didn't when they were away, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other things that I've observed too is also I, all Bruins, I think, are disappointed that um, graduating seniors about commencement. I think, though, in, in some cases that if you're the first and your family's been cheering you on, and then you receive a message that it's online or is not happening. It just, it just, it, it hurts everyone, but it may hurt others um, disproportionately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so some, and one of my mentees, uh, in fact, she's first generation, was saying like her parents don't even know how to work a computer. And so mm-hmm. to say, oh, it's going online still wouldn't help her particular. Right, it's still a barrier, yeah. It's still a barrier, right? Um, and then maybe the third point that I've like, again, personally um, helping students with um, is uh, uh, folks who were in the residence halls and then they weren't told to leave. No one's been told to leave, but highly encouraged to leave. Well, there are some folks who um, for whatever reason are not able to go home and some Mm -hmm. folks actually feel safer on campus. Um, And it could be physical safety. It could just be about whatever um, identities they share that, their parents are not as aware of. Mm-hmm. Some cases, um, student, you know, it's like it's nice having a regular routine in your own bed, you know, things like that. Yeah. But I found um, since the middle of March that in, uh, particularly this is impacting first generation students as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, completely, you know, disrupting kind of your, your, normal to create, you know, in going home, like you said, even mentioning the chores, right? It's things that those expectations that are totally different at home versus when you're away at school. So now going back in time a little bit, um, can you share, (laughs) can you share more of your journey from doctoral student at UCLA to executive director and kind of maybe, you know, full circle moments? And I'm curious, you'll probably share within this, did you always find yourself passionate about supporting first-generation students in higher education? Well, first, let me tell you just a little bit of how I got to UCLA, because that yeah. wasn't straightforward either. You know, I'm from the East Coast originally, and still, even though um, I had been accepted uh, in graduate school, that first-gen identity still stayed with me. So uh, I remember uh, sharing with my, you know, talking to my grandmother about um, about my options for graduate school. And uh, those folks who are not from California may have a hard time uh, knowing that some of us not from California don't always see California as the best place in the world, right? That's very true. Why are you going all the way to California? Uh, She was worried about earthquakes. She was worried about, uh, back then this was the 90s, so she was worried about drive-bys and all kinds of gangs and stuff. 
Um, and so I never thought I would be here. I just wanted to stress that. I never, you know, I just, wow. East Coast girl through and through, always thought I'd be on the East Coast. Um, so this was a really big deal for me to leave my family. I am my mother's only child and she is a single parent. And so to come across country was was um, a pretty, a, a pretty, pretty enormous, but I came with the plan of becoming a faculty member. So like you, like you said, getting my PhD in English, worked for AAP, the Academic Advancement Program, which was a tremendous source of support for me as a, as a graduate student. And um, I was a tutor there and um, really just found a home. I really found my purpose, I'll say, um, um, by working in, in AAP. And so I, I, when I look back now, at the time I wasn't thinking of this, right? But when I look back now, I realize I was really interested in those moments of transition, whether it was folks transitioning from high school to college or from community college to, to a four-year. And I was a transfer student as well. And so I found myself teaching courses to, for non-majors, especially working with transfer students. And then I decided this is what I want to do. So um, I did complete my PhD, PhD, obviously, but I made a conscious decision mm -hmm. as I was finishing that I wanted to be in administration. Um, and once upon a time, first year experience was my dream job. Like, you know, you're like, oh my God, if only I could direct first. There wasn't, there wasn't even such a thing that existed. You know? I was going to ask that. I was going to ask if, if the, the infrastructure of the program was in place. That no. <laughs> I didn't think so. Wow. No, um, I was That's on amazing. I know, right? To, to like live the dream. Um, I was on a committee to um, back at the like 2008 or something like that. We were just talking about what first year experience would look like at UCLA. And then I left. I went, I got another job somewhere else and got recruited back to be the director. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's like you said, how crazy to see the brainstorming process or even the idea of it. And yeah. you able to bring this to fruition like that's that's so amazing yeah thank you <laughs> um so how have you seen the first generation college student experience change since you were a college student wow I love your questions by the way oh um, thank you <laughs> thanks <laughs> whoa okay now you're really taking me back I know you're probably like we could do a whole separate segment on this <laughs> because I was talking about this with a colleague this morning um so back in the late 80s, when I first went to college, that wasn't talked about at all, this idea of first-generation student. Mm -hmm. But yet, when I started college, I knew my experience was different than other people. So of course, my whole life, I knew, or not my whole life, but as um, soon as I could become aware of it, I knew I was the first person in my family to go to college. That part was clear. I didn't know that there was an identity, and I didn't mm -hmm. realize that you know what I mean? I just didn't think it was something yeah. weird. I was just like, oh, that's me and my situation kind of thing. Um, so when I first started college, um, I was um, experiencing what I now know of as culture shock. Like, mm -hmm. hey, what is happening? And I stayed in a class too long. I didn't know I could withdraw. I couldn't really talk to my mom about it. I didn't, I wanted my mom to just think I was happy all the time. And I was very confused. Being the first in my family meant I was often the one that everyone went to. And so now I didn't know stuff. And so I was like, oh, I can't go back to my family because I'm the one that knows everything, right? Yeah, right. Um, 
And so honestly, I attributed some of the challenges that I had to being a Black student who was out of state. Mm. And that was part of it. But I wish there was someone who could talk to little Latanya back then and say, <laughs> first gen. And I was like, oh. <laughs> now. Right. Um, so it's nice to, I'm actually really, feel really fortunate to be a part of, to be alive, to be actively involved in seeing many of those conversations change. So I remember, I remember clearly someone saying, can we say first gen? Don't they feel wow. bad? You know, now it's just like people wearing t-shirts and buttons. And yeah. It's such a proud, like more ownership. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this about UCLA. We've, um, we're just one of the most actively affirming institutions around this identity. Um, and I suspect it's been true for a while, but now we're actually like openly saying it. And in the four years that I've been in the position, like so much has taken place, especially within alumni affairs, to be honest. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say with the first university to have the first generation alumni network that you know, is doing, continuing to kind of move the needle forward and giving back to support the next generation of first generation Bruins that will graduate, right? And then, then adjusting to the workplace, like you said, the transitions, like that's a whole other yes. in itself. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really great to hear. So given your expertise on resiliency and maybe building capacity, what advice could you give to students and alumni on how to weather the storm and kind of manage change during COVID-19? You know, um, I think it's good. It's important for us to remember uh, that this will pass, you know, kind of, it feels, it feels sometimes like, oh my God, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. um, I know what keeps me going is um, I I just feel, I, I think about all the things that, I do have right now and like literally the sun is shining. Um, we could just be in many worst cases, at least able to have um, some some kind of connections with people. Um, just thinking about um, what can you do right now? Mm-hmm. Don't focus on, uh, oh, I should be doing a thousand things. I think already um, we're in a comparative age, you know, when people are looking on Instagram and all these types of things. like really what what's in your capacity is is mm-hmm. the main focus you know um i know i've i've even um been coaching or not coaching but just talking to some of my own colleagues who are right. really starting to feel burnt burnt out and um just saying hey you you don't really maybe you don't need to do that thing today mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know it's just um what, what are you able to do and the rest you know honestly it'll still be there and mm-hmm. i guess one of the one of the interesting things about this moment is that we're all sharing it. You know, it's, it's different if it's just you and you're the one that's in the house and you can't go out and things like that. We're all going through it together. So I think people are, are even more empathetic with one another right now. I will be honest. I, I did like a three mile bike, the three miles down and bike back up um, this morning and just nodding at people it was really nice like yeah. you, get it, you know right and then right. wash my hands but yeah. <laughs> well, we're all going through it and so I, that's one little silver lining I think we can um, hang, hang on to at the moment yeah definitely and I think like you said it's it's so interesting to think about like the community like building community and, and being in it together knowing 
like even like you mentioned that our bandwidths are changing and to allow for kind of like space and grace with each other to know said the work's not going anywhere right so make sure we're taking care of ourselves and managing that bandwidth so we're not going to burn ourselves out we're not going to all be zoomed out because we're in you know zoom meetings from nine to five and things like that (laughs) you know like you said but being in it together and being able I think there's, there is, you know, stronger empathy with being able to kind of check in first, you know, instead of like, let's get down to business. And I yes. hope that's something that stays with us through this, like after it's over that we're able to kind of remind ourselves, our colleagues or whoever, right. We're all humans first, then we are professionals. Um, so yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate your point there. Yeah. I, I appreciate your point. That continues, <laughs> right. That's not go back yeah. things were with regard to that. <laughs> right. Right. So what has been your greatest accomplishment thus far in your career? Oh, man. Um, I don't think there's like a single one. I've just been, I've been so blessed to have a number of of dream jobs and um, to be able to really connect with students and kind of um, provide the resources that I wish I'd had that I needed Mm. at the time and be able to um, like I said, actually see them happen um, before me. Um, of course, I'm really excited about all the first generation initiatives and not just on our own campus. Like we are moving the needle across the country and throughout the UC system. Absolutely. Right. So that's amazing. Um, there are two things that I'm working on now that you might be interested in. Um, yeah. One is regarding uh, rural students. And so I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, so, um, my area of first year experience, um, I mean, prior to coronavirus, um, already supported a number of overnight programs after students have been admitted. So one of them was out of state students and the other was working specifically with student initiated groups like, um, Southeast Asian admits, uh, African student union, et cetera. Right. And I was in a meeting with admissions and I, we were, we were just, cause everything is moving online. So, so brilliant right. Is no longer in like virtual, no. I mean, uh, actually in place. So I started imagining um, who might be the groups that are least, who may be um, really especially nervous about en- enrolling in the fall. And it made me start to think about students from small towns, mm-hmm. um, from rural areas, who um, who may be nervous themselves or their parents or community about coming to a place, not only like LA, but UCLA, which is by itself is like a small city, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I came from, I came from DC and my grandmother was nervous about me coming. <laughs> like a smaller area yeah and so we're doing a special welcome like a targeted call out to students from small towns and we're going to be identifying alumni faculty staff and current students to record something and to like say hey i'm from so-and-so and and i'm here at ucla and we welcome you so be on the lookout for that that's Um, awesome and then I am collaborating with a colleague who is a Harvard alum. We actually went to college at the same time. We didn't know each other. We okay. just met. But when we were at college at the same time, both first gen, he was at Harvard. And eventually I was at the University of Maryland. Um, we met on, over Facebook and we are working together on um, best practices for first gen alumni. So how universities um, can um, best identify those populations, what's unique about them and how we can 
incorporate them into um, into the programming. So it's nice to see two first gen kids, one who went to a private <laughs> Ivy League school and one who went to a public um, yeah. a public flagship come together, meet as adults, and um, both asking ourselves what are, what are our schools doing right, and then um, how can we create a blueprint. Um, mm-hmm for other institutions to follow. So those are some of the things, I'm, my brain always, is always working. Sure, sure, I can imagine. So I'm excited about what's to come. Yeah, that's super exciting. And definitely, I think, exciting to think about your second one with first-generation alumni, because I think, you know, like our colleagues in alumni affairs, especially with the first-generation alumni network, like being able to establish that and continue to build and get traction with that, it'll be great to hear more about um, you and your colleagues work there so we can continue to serve, you know, first generation, you know, use the alumni in, you know, postgraduate life. So that's super exciting. Thank you. So my final question, um, which we always end our interviews with, yes, is um, since leaving UCLA, how has your career and life experiences shaped how you define success? Whoa. Yeah, the hard hitter, right? <laughs> Is okay. Everybody listening, she did not give me these questions ahead of time. <laughs> um, so, um, I guess for me, I, I I really do focus on uh on others, like the the future generations, and so I don't pay too much attention to my own individual success, um, mm-hmm. so much as like the collective, um. So for me, a lot of the time, I'm also thinking about my own children, one who is a first year student in college and one who is a graduating senior Wow! and uh, who, whose lifestyles have been pretty different from mine, right? I was faculty in residence at one point, uh, and for five years, we lived on campus. And so wow. they, ex- they experienced things so much differently than I did. But um, I like to think about the legacy that I'm leaving, what I've been able to share with them helping them understand their own privilege um, mm-hmm. and generations difference. It's been huge, right? My husband and I were both first gen and our kids are not. Right, <laughs> um, right. And so um, I just always thinking, I'm always thinking about paying, paying it forward, you know, um, in my interactions with my staff, the students that I meet. Um, I tell students sometimes like, I'm sorry, I'm like, we're going to be connected forever. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Especially thanks to Facebook. I love Facebook. I get to yeah. business. <laughs> right. Um, so, so yeah. So just just thinking about um, how how are my uh, daily actions um, improving someone else's life, right? Um, uh, I there were there were some some key people. Oh, can I tell you the story real quick? Yes, it's, please. Oh, yes, I love I stories. To, I have to say this because. Um, because it, it, it changed, sort of changed everything for me. So at one point, I was a student at Howard University okay. and afford my tuition. And so uh, I was literally, I was evicted, basically, right? I had a, a prior bill. University said, you know, you, you owe a balance. And so, um, and so the challenge with that is when you owe some money, it's hard to transfer because the university is holding on to your transcript and keeping you hostage. And oh. At that point, I was a junior, you know, so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose, like, lose all these units, um, and I was admitted to a summer program at the University of Maryland. I said, like, okay, I can, let me just go one step at a time. Right. So that summer program, 
And the, the faculty that I met there invited me to, to stay on and to work. They said, what are you doing? I said, well, nothing. They said, well, we have an admin assistant position. Why don't you do that? I was like, okay. My, my plan was to work and save money to go back to Howard University. Well, that wasn't working out. Like I was, it's hard to pay rent and save and those types of things. There was one administrator, her name is Dr. Carla Gary, who got to know me. So a year had gone by and um, I was working as an office assistant and she said, you really need to be in college. And I was like, well, I know. So <laughs> she said, um, let me write a memo. This is back when people wrote memos. Right? No <laughs> let me write a memo to admissions, asking them to review your application, like apply to transfer, but apply with an unofficial transcript. And I'm going to like submit a memo on top, a memo on top of that. And that is how I got to the University of Maryland at College Park. I got admitted on an unofficial transcript. Thanks to something that took five minutes out of this woman's day, it changed my whole life. Then I was graduating from the University of Maryland. It's not where I thought I was going to end up, but that's where I graduated from. Um, Go Terps, right? Say it again. Go Terps, right? That's right. (laughs) So it's definitely not where I started, but it was like the best thing for me at the end. And I made a decision then if I could ever impact a student the way that she impacted a student, that that's what I was going to do. Again, like I said at the beginning, I thought it was going to be a faculty member and I ended up coming back to administration. Yeah. But that that story, um, I mean, that's not, that's just my actual life. Like that is mm-hmm. a real thing. And then when I was able to get my doctorate, I tracked that woman down and I told her, Oh. I said, not only did I go back to school, I completed a PhD and I owe all that to you. So, so she knows what happens. Wow. That's an amazing story. Like, oh, thank you. Inspiring. And like you said, I think that's an amazing perspective to think about the collective success, like you said, and really being able to look at the next generation, um, which is clear as to why you're doing the work you're, you're doing or why you're in the field you're in, mm-hmm. being able to give back to others. And like you said, like those those small moments that we might have as staff or administrators that we have no idea the, you know, the waves and the the resonance that that can have on a student, the domino effect of that moment, that one interaction that you had with that woman that completely changed your trajectory. And, you know, so I think that's a really amazing perspective and what a, what a powerful story. That's so Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Yeah. So um, that wraps our um, interview. So I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. It was an absolute privilege and pleasure to talk to you. And um, I also want to say as a first-gen, a fellow first-generation college graduate um, who never thought I'd go to grad school and did that too and got a master's, like, thank you for all the work you're doing. Yes, first-gen proud. So thank <laughs> you for the work you're doing for um, first-generation students because I know your work is it's not just impact UCLA, but it, it, it you know, goes throughout the nation um, and other schools are inspired by the work that you're doing. So thank you for all you do for Bruins, um, both current and future generations. We're so lucky to have you on campus. Thank you so much. And I hope this isn't the last time that we talk and first see each other. Yes, I agree. I agree. We will make sure that that won't happen. We'll take care and we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you again. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Bruin Success. Our guest this week was Dr. Latanya Reese Miles, Executive Director of First Year Experience at UCLA. You can find more information on Dr. Reese Miles in the description of the podcast. Follow Partnership UCLA Alumni Career Programs on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with Bruin Success. If you enjoyed our podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, or share your appreciation on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time when we're back with Dr. D'Artagnan Scorza, the Executive Director and Founder at the Social Justice Learning Institute. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.